little bit later, Rob's going to get up and share a bit of what God has been doing uh, in his life. But this, I just want to give us a little bit of uh, an encouragement on baptism. Um, I was baptised at a very young age. Uh, well, not very young. I was, I was quite young, I suppose. I was probably about seven or eight, so that's, that is quite young. Um, I don't remember exactly. But I would, as I grew up, lots of my Christian experiences, the hallmarks of uh, coming to faith and uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit, being baptised in water, those responses, they happened for me when I was quite young. And this affected me sort of as I grew up because... I looked back on those experiences and thought, did I, did I really get the most out of that? I don't know if that's a very consumerist way to look at it, but did that have the most effect in my life that it could do? Did I really understand what was happening when I was baptised? And as I reflected, I thought, no, I didn't really understand what was happening when I was baptised. I knew that I wanted to follow Jesus. I knew that from a, from a really young age uh, because God was gracious to me and he, and he sort of, got hold of me young um, but I didn't really understand what was going on with my baptism but that's okay that's okay because Paul writes this in Romans 6 what shall we say then if you go to the next slide it should be some verses scripture verses there we go what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who die to sin still live in it do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? I'm just going to read that verse again. Do you not know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Click it on. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Next slide. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not, uh, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion uh, uh, over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Brilliant. Uh, just there's a few sort of phrases that stuck out to me as I was reading that, which was, do you not know that when you were baptised? And I was like, I didn't know. Isn't God good? I, I, I didn't know this, but it was still true. I didn't know this and it was still true. So if you were baptised a long time ago, I want you to try and listen to this with fresh ears and think, well, maybe I didn't, maybe I haven't lived that way, but those things have still been true for me. The benefit of what God has done in my life is still true. And it says later on that we must consider ourselves dead to sin. So we are dead to sin, but we must consider that for ourselves as well. We must, some versions, uh, translations say, reckon yourself dead to sin. You have to apply it. You have to apply what's already true.
What is baptism? Baptism is part of the, the coming into faith. In Acts uh, 2.38, Peter says, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Then going on to verse 41 in Acts 2, it says, Those who received the word, who responded to the, Peter's evangelistic sermon, were baptised, and they were added to the, the number, the number of the church, about 3,000 that day. Further on into Acts 8, it says, as Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, he's talking to this guy and he shared the gospel with him. And as they come around the corner, it says, there's some water. And the eunuch says, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? I've come to faith. Why can't I be baptized? Jesus in the Great Commission said to his disciples, go therefore and make disciples in Matthew 28 of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Baptism, water baptism, is a hallmark of coming into the, the family of God. It's, it's, it's part of that process. It's part of that birthing process into the new kingdom. Now, we have to be careful here because actually some people would say you're not saved unless you've been baptised. We wouldn't, we wouldn't teach that. We would say you, you have faith in Christ you, you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart, you're saved. But actually, in the same way that when a baby is born, there can be complications. When we're born into the kingdom of God, when we're born again, as the Bible calls it, there can be complications and things don't always go quite to plan. Faith in Christ, baptism and being filled with the Holy Spirit should all go together. That's like the ideal Christian birth. Everything's gone right. You know, that's the, that's the home birth or the birthing pool version of Christian birth. You, everything goes exactly as it should do. And you don't have to stay in the hospital for an extra few days because that you might have an infection. Oh, actually, you don't. That's what happened with us. Wonderful. NHS is brilliant. Um, and I mean that genuinely. Like I've got cousins in the States. One of them, he said, I had to decide for my wife, are we going to stay an extra night in hospital to make sure everything's OK? Are we going to go home? Because it's going to cost us three grand. So to be free to just go do the tests you want is brilliant. Um, but baptism, coming to faith in Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's the good birth into the kingdom. You can read through Acts uh, to see that. And at Christ First, we practice what is called believer's baptism. So we say if you're... You should only be baptised if you've made a confession of faith, if you're following Jesus Christ. Um, other churches uh, don't do that. They do some different stuff and that's fine. They need to do what's right in their conscience before God. But we believe the Bible teaches uh, that it should be uh, believers who are baptised. As I said, I was quite young when I was baptised. Uh, and that's down to, I think, your parents. Uh, parents of children need to sort of manage that you need to sort of manage your children well if you've got a child who's very young and they saying I want to be baptized they're welcome to come and speak to the elders I'd say only we will interview you I sat with Rob a, a little while ago and we chatted through what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus what does it mean to be baptized so I've tried to help him through that process and it was really good and encouraging if you've got a child a young child who wants to do that they're welcome to come and speak to us I say only encourage them to do that if you're happy for us to say, actually, we think you should wait. So if they're not mature enough to be told no, they're probably not mature enough to have that conversation yet. So if you've got an issue with that, you can come and talk to me. But um, 
but there's no hard and fast rule on the age. I think actually there's some six-year-olds who would be bang, bang on, you, yeah, you can get baptised. I think it was right for me to be baptised at the age I was. I was following Jesus. I was mad for it. You know, I was in the playground. Who's your favourite band? DC Talk. You know, I was that kid. I was, they're an old Christian band who are really sort of lame if you look them up, but probably quite cool for me. Um, I was that kid. I wanted to be an ice cream man who told people about Jesus as he was selling them the ice creams. That was it. That was my ambition in life. Um, what went wrong? <laughs> the ice cream was too tasty. I wanted to keep it all for myself. Um, so it's a question of maturity, not age, for me, with baptism. Um, but baptism, it's a, it's a death, it's a burial, and it's a resurrection. It's us identifying with God, with what Jesus has done in those moments. I've used some of these illustrations before, but it's like, uh, it's a washing, it's a bath baptism, it's a cleansing in a sense. There should be an expectation of effect. You need to skip on a couple. I've completely missed, messed it about. Uh, go on again. There you go. Perfect. Um, death. Um, complete aside, I'm really like, what's sort of getting my um, attention, getting, I don't know, not getting my goat. That's the opposite of getting my goat. What's really fascinating me at the moment is dying well. That's the I think Ben said it last week, that's the Christian superpower. We can take anything, and when we die, we do it so well. Um, so there might be some sermons coming about that soon. Um, but baptism, is, it's a bath, it's a washing. Acts 22 says, uh, and now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptised. Wash away your sins, calling on his name, on the name of Jesus. Baptism serves as an outward sign of what has inwardly taken place already. It's us identifying ourselves with Jesus and with the act of, it's an act of consecrating our lives. We're saying, I'm giving myself to you and serving your church. It helps us as individuals recognise our very own personal joining uh, with Jesus and with his family. It's a death, a burial and a resurrection. We should expect some effect from it. There should be some effect in your life. I know people who prior to being baptised, they had massive issues with pornography or with the language that they used. They were baptised instantly, no longer an issue. I know of a guy who he was baptised and he was a school teacher and some students said to him, oh, we, we did a Ouija board the other day, sir. And we, looked, we said, when are you going to die? And it told us this date. It was the date he was baptised. Baptism is a death. It's a death to your old life. It's the, the death part of it. You might say it's like that as you're going down, you're dying, as you're going into the water. In baptism, we identify ourselves with Jesus' death and all the significance of that as a substitution for our sin. Romans 6, as I read earlier, verses 1 to 3. If you skip on to the next one, what shall we say then? Are we continue, to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ were baptised into his death? Now, some context to, this, context to this is that Paul's saying, you can't carry on sinning. We shouldn't carry on sinning because you're dead to sin. Some people were sort of, he's preaching the gospel effectively. And so when you do that, people often go, so does that mean I can do whatever I want? And Jesus just forgives me. God forgives me because of what Jesus has done. 
and grace just increases because there's more sin, more grace, more sin, more grace. Uh, you, you're, missing the under, you're missing the point. We're dead to sin. You're dead to it. Christ died and the death he died was once for all. We share in his death. And so we are dead to sin. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been baptised, you're dead to sin. Now this is hard, isn't it? Because we often go back to our old habits. We often go back to the, the way that we do used to do things. But the reality is, there, this is why we have to reckon ourselves dead to, to sin. I always, this is my illustration for this. If you click onto the next slide, it's a bit like having a dead dog. This is one of my favourite things, and taking it for a walk. I'm sorry if you've lost a pet recently, but you don't do that, do you? If you've got a dog and it dies, you don't clip the lead on and start dragging it around the block. We can't go back to the dead life. We're dead to sin. We shouldn't be feeding or exercising our sinful desires. So what do we do with our old, dead life? We don't drag it around with us. You don't get it on your back and carry it around, giving it a piggyback. Death is followed by burial. We bury it. When I used to play football, uh, my coach... Um, he was quite a sort of an aggressive chap. Um, and he would, if we were winning a game and we started to relax, he would say, no, I, I don't want you to nail the, the lid of the coffin down. I want you to screw it. I want you to screw the lid of the coffin down. This game needs to be buried so that they've got no chance of coming back. Our sinful life, that needs to be, we need to screw the lid of the coffin down and pour concrete on it. We need to bury it. Romans 6 verse 4 says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Thank you. Good job. Uh, Colossians 2.12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. We're buried in baptism. The sort of the second part where you're sort of just that moment between you've gone down and you're coming up, Rob, it will be a burial for you. Between Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection is his burial, the tomb. His death was confirmed in his burial, which makes his resurrection all the more spectacular. In burial, we get closure and recognise for sure that what, that what once was no longer is. What once was no longer is. It's the stage where the old is gone and the new is coming. It's not quite come yet. For us, burial is usually a sad time. But the burial of our sinful nature is the seal of death. That's what burial is. It's the seal of death. This, is, this death is actually legit. It confirms our freedom from sin. But it's not the end. It's a bit like, uh, you know, when you get a nice, maybe some of you get some nice food and you put it in the fridge and you think, oh, I'm, enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy that later. It's like you, you've, it's, it's preparing for what's going to come. The burial is preparing for the resurrection. 
when you put that, I don't know, bottle of wine in the cellar or you put that cheesecake in the fridge, whatever it is, and you think, I'm going to enjoy that later. You, the intention is not to leave it there forever. I'm going to pick that up at a later date and then enjoy it. It's a bit like that. In a similar way, we don't rot in the tomb. The purpose of burial with Christ is so that we might be raised again into new life. The old life is left in the grave. Death is followed by burial, which is followed by resurrection. Romans 6 verses 8 and 10 says, If we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Resurrection is not simply coming back from death to life. I think there's a distinction between, you could use the word resurrection, but I think it's important, it's helpful. To, you could skip on a few, I've just missed them out. Um, resurrection and resuscitation are very different. Lazarus rose from the dead, but it wasn't the same. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. Lazarus was raised to his old life. Jesus rises into new life. We rise into new life. We're new creations, born again, born into a new family. We aren't raised back into our old life. It's not like, oh, you're dead. Right, get the paddles out, bang. Right, okay, as you were. No, that person is dead. There's a new person living. This doesn't just happen. We have to remind ourselves of it because whilst that's spiritually true, it's not physically true. Hopefully, Rob won't die while he's under the water physically and we'll have to sort of literally resuscitate him. But spiritually, he will be dead and raised to a new life. As followers of Jesus, we should live normal lives in a radically different way. Your life should be not dissimilar to everyone else's, but it should be completely different. I get up, I go to work, I have a coffee break, I have a lunch break, I do my work, but it's just completely different. It looks different, there's a difference to it. How does that happen? Well, in this passage it says, offer the parts of your body, the members of your body, to not to sin, but to God. Offer the parts of your body not to fulfil sinful desires, but to as instruments for righteousness. So I want to encourage you, take stock of your body and your life. We sang a song earlier, this is my desire to honour you. Lord, with all I have, I worship you. I think those are the lyrics. Um, <laughs> ignore that, don't worry about that, that's something else. <laughs> offering the parts of our body to God as tools, instruments for righteousness. Literally, I sat with Rob and we were sort of working through this little booklet that tells you how to, I said, literally do this in your life. I want to encourage you to do this in your life. Start with your body, then move out to areas of your life with my hands. How are my hands, how could they be instruments for unrighteousness, tools for sinful desire? Okay, well, actually, how can I use them as instruments for righteousness what can I do with my hands to worship God with my mind with my eyes with my 
my feet? Do I go to certain places? Or can I go to somewhere else? With my, you know, your eyes, do you, do you just walk along and not, not see what's around you? God, give me your, your insight to what's going on. Is there a person that I could speak to? Is there someone that I'm just walking by? And actually, you've, you've got something for them. And I could, let me see them the way that you see them. Then move on to, once you've done that with your body, move on to your life. Your Facebook posts can be used as instruments for sinful desire or instruments for righteousness. Your social media profile, what, what you put on there, that can be a blessing to people or it can be, ooh, wish they hadn't posted that, now I've got to have an awkward conversation with them. Or, man, that's discouraging. We've been brought from death into life. We've been called out of death by God. Our citizenship has changed. That's what that image is. That's from a film called Short Circuit. He's a robot and he becomes a citizen of uh, America, which, you know, wouldn't surprise me in the current climate. Um, let's skip on, skip on from that. Um, so where do we need to die? Where do we need to live? I spoke about this a little while ago. But that, that idea of citizenship, citizenship, baptism, is in a sense, that's our ceremony. You're, you're out of, you know, you're no longer part of this, ki- this uh, nationality. You're in a new kingdom. That's, what it, that's what's going on. That's what's taking place. For us who are believers here today, if you've been baptised a long time ago, maybe you need to recheck, retake stock of your life. Okay, hang on, I I need to reassess. What am I using for righteousness? What am I using for sinful desires? Maybe there's some habit or thought pattern that's clinging on. You think, I need to deal with that. I'd encourage you, like George said, this is family. That, that, That cuts a different way as well. And not just for encouragement, but actually I was sitting with some friends this week And we are talking about cultivating a hatred for sin. Cultivating a hatred for sin. And we're reading a book called The Pursuit of Holiness, which I thoroughly recommend. And there's a quote in there. It says, we we love the quote, God uh, hates the, the, loves the sinner, but hates the sin. Or I can't remember which way around it is. Hates the sin, but loves the sinner. And we love focusing on the second part. God loves, God loves everyone. He loves everyone. But the first part is God hates the sin. And we don't, you know, and that's not in the, necessarily in the Bible, but the, um, the, the idea of hating sin. Do you, uh, when you sin, what's your reaction to it? Because we all do sin. What's our reaction to it? Are we like, oh, that's annoying. I hate, I hate that it's come back into my life. I hate that I can't shake this thing. Because I think... When we get to a point where we, as a church family, where we hate sin, it opens up accountability massively. I was, I was saying to uh, Alex and Simon, I was saying, I think, for, in terms of accountability, if you know, if I know you hate sin and you say to me, I'm struggling with this issue, I'm not thinking, oh, he's messed up. I'm thinking, someone's out to get my brother. 
I want to help him. I want to stand with him. I want to protect him. I want to help him deal with this issue. So we need to cultivate a hatred for sin. I haven't got time to do that justice this morning. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite Rob up to come and share with us what God's been doing in his life. Uh, And then we'll be heading across to the hub and Rob will be baptised. Simon and James, who spoke to us earlier, wonderful encouragement, are going to baptise Rob uh, later on. So I didn't have to bring a change of clothes, which is good for me. Um, So we've got a guest baptiser. I'll close in prayer and then I'm going to invite Rob up. Thank you, Lord, that you, Lord Jesus, you humbled yourself in death. You humbled yourself to save us. You died, you submitted to death, even death on a cross, a shameful, horrific death. That you took the punishment for us, that you died, were buried and you were raised to life that you have broken open the way, that curtain has been torn in two, the the king has gone ahead of us and broken open the way. We thank you that we can experience that newness of life now. I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill us again, that we would live in the good of that future life now. We would reckon ourselves dead to sin. We would take stock of our our lives, both our physical bodies, our sort of the way we think about things, the the way that we act in the world. We would take stock of those things and think, uh, is this, am I using this for sinful desires, for selfishness, or am I serving God as an instrument of righteousness in this area? Decisions that I make, where I'm going to live, what job I take, are these instruments of righteousness or are they selfish desires Lord I pray that we would do everything to worship you to glorify you highlight for us areas that we need to die in and show us areas where we can live who are we missing in our daily lives that we walk past or that we just flick past and ignore speak to us Lord this week highlight things to us I thank you this isn't a heavy thing We're not trying to earn your favour. You've already done it. It's finished. It's done. We're accepted. We're your children. And yet you call us into more, into a closer relationship with you. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name.